This podcast is brought to you by eHarmony, the dating app to find someone you can be yourself with. Why doesn't eHarmony allow copy and paste in first messages? Because you are unique and your conversations should reflect that. eHarmony wants you to find someone who will get you. How are you going to know who gets you? If people send you the same generic conversation starters, they message everyone else. Conversations that actually help you get to know each other. Imagine that. Get who gets you on eHarmony. Sign up today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hey everyone, Jamie here. A quick disclaimer before we begin the episode. There's a few moments of explicit language, so viewer discretion is advised. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast where we try to bridge the gap between the scientific theory of hockey goaltending, hockey, and, you know, anything else we come to think of. This week's episode is brought to you by Jamie Phillips' Instagram account. If you don't follow Jamie Phillips on Instagram, you should be. He's in the pursuit of 25,000 followers. And as always, I'm here with him today. Jamie, how are we doing? Hey, thanks for that plug. Now you say that, that's a lot of people. Um, yeah, that's pretty cool. But if you like goalie content... Um, follow my podcast but today we are joined by our third guest on the pod so pretty excited to have this uh someone that i know personally so we skated together she is an incredible goalie and i'm not going to hype her up too much because her ego is going to get too big but elaine shuley thanks for joining us to the podcast yeah thank you jamie thank you ben thanks for having me i've been listening to this uh for like i would say just over a month um pretty good content here so i'm uh, happy to join out here we appreciate it. So, Elaine, for those listening that might not know you, do you want to just give us a brief introduction about yourself, where you currently play, and a little bit about uh, your your career growing up? Yeah, for sure. So, I grew up in Waterford, Ontario, which Jamie knows is a small little town, probably smaller than uh, Caledonia. But uh, Waterford, um, I played in, in Waterford, then I moved over to Brantford, um, actually played against Ben when I played in Brantford. Um, and then moved over to girls, uh, for Stony Creek, um, all through high school and then went to the university of Connecticut for four years. And then now I'm going into, I think it's my seventh year of pro, uh, with the Toronto six in the premier hockey federation. So yeah, that's just a quick little, little update there. But, um, yeah, looking at third season, no, fourth, there's no, now I can't even think. I think third season, fourth. In Toronto. No, I can't remember. I don't know. Fifth, yeah, if you include, include the Furies. Fifth, if you include the Furies, if we throw a little throwback back into it. but Yeah, well, yeah, true. Um, but COVID messed everything up like it did with uh, all mm-hmm. men talking to. So. And you should, yeah, you're yeah. at seven, because I think we went pro at the same time, and then you have just outlasted me. Which is stalking. I thought it was done like numerous times, but we're still going strong. And so just going to yeah. keep riding it out for now. And you say going strong. Congratulations on winning the PHF championship. Thank you. Yes, That's that what... was uh, that was a big one. That's what I was going to say. How did we bury the lead there? Like everyone, both of you, Jamie, shame on you. Elaine, stop being so humble. Um, mm-hmm. We're joined by a PHF champion coming off of huge things. Yeah. Jamie, how many championships do you have? Uh, professional hockey? Uh, zero, zero playoff games. <laughs> Actually, no, I have one, one American League playoff game. Does that count? No. Okay. All right, but we'll get uh, away from my embarrassing career and into it. So you had mentioned that you had, had made the jump into girls hockey. And so Ben and I are not as familiar as girls hockey. I coach a few, but in terms, that's still a new kind of area for me. So 
when making that decision, what does that kind of look like for, what does that look like for you and deciding between, okay, do I continue to play men's hockey or boys hockey? Do I make the jump to girls hockey? What's that like? And what you kind of like weigh as factors as deciding factors? Yeah, I think as a goalie, you can probably stay in the boys game a bit longer. I mean, but yeah, that's just a general statement, but I think that's pretty true. Um, especially if you're already in it, like you're going, going from a girls game now to a boys at the similar level would be like, it's a lot different. The shot, well, yeah, the, the, just the speed of the shot's different. But if you're growing up in the, in the boys game and you're kind of just developing with it, then it's, I think it's quite doable as a goalie. For years, I thought maybe I switched over too too soon, and I kind of like regretted leaving. So I never got cut from AAA. I just kind of decided like you kind of feel pressure that like okay to play on like Team Ontario or Team Canada or something that you need to be in the women's game. Um, and I don't even know why why that's kind of a thing, but it, it kind of is. Um, but I think you see goalies now staying in, in the the men's game longer, and eventually they do switch over, but. Yeah, I don't know. I just kind of felt like it was time, I guess. Uh, I was in, I had just finished grade seven and then I switched to Sony Creek. Um, probably wish I would have stayed in, in the men's game a bit longer, like I said, but um, it's, you know, everything's worked out now. So it's easy to look back and say, like, shoulda, coulda, woulda, but um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's something that, that I hear when we work with, with our girls, our girl boys as well, is that exact same commentary because the the men's, national and provincial systems are a little different obviously there's a, a heavy you know for the junior team there's a heavy chl presence represented but that process obviously looks a lot different in in girls hockey but it's also and you can kind of touch on this too as, as well as lane but from what i understand is if you're not in that system as it begins so as provincialization starts or localization at the provincial national level if you're not in that system right away in girls hockey it's really hard to break in like it's a really closed system it is i would say it is very closed and like yeah it, a bit of i would say a bit of politics come in on sometimes making some of those rosters and those teams like just to be honest it's, it's just the way it is i think it's like that in a lot of sports but um, yeah, like then again, though, if you are a girl and you're playing like minor midget AAA and you're like standing out, then you're going to probably get a chance at some point, but, um, yeah. And, and you're going to get a, you know, NCAA or whatever you want to do there. Um, but yeah, typically, definitely if you're, in, you know, earlier on, it's yeah. Once, once, once you get in and then you can, if you do, do well at the camps and stuff, you're, you're kind of can stay around. Yeah, it's, it's just, again, it's such a, obviously it's a different process. And I think at least in Ontario, right, that's where we're kind of coming from this with your experience and then, and then where I coach currently. So Jamie, if you know, Michigan girls hockey, you can please give us some more details, but a lot of, again, it's just <laughs> the, the systems have evolved a lot. And so Elaine, you mentioned that you played Stony Creek junior hockey. So women's junior hockey, is it still the PWHL? Um, but were you? Just timing-wise, were you one of the first few years in that league? Was that was it P-Dub when you played? Like, how that started? Yeah, it was, but I think they changed the name of it because I think now the the PWHPA, the other professional, like it's like a professional association of some of the other players that play in, their, I think, name is going to be the PWHL. So, like, I, I think that the, the old P-Dub has changed its name I'd have to look it up because I, I actually, some of the girls were talking about it this year and I can't, I don't even remember what it's called now, but I, I think it does have a different name, but it was the um, provincial women's hockey league when I played in it. Jamie, are you fact checking this? Yeah, I should I know this. I, 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 I should, I, like a half dozen girls that are in this league right now. Um, I was looking and I was getting lost. The only girl goalie that I currently work with is going off to play AAA. So I don't have to worry about this too much, but. Um, so, you know, Ben and I are both familiar with junior A or tier two, whatever they call it now, hockey in Ontario. And there's many leagues. Each province has their own teams. How, what is the junior system? What's the structure of junior hockey like in women's hockey in Ontario and then in Canada? Yeah. So in Ontario, like typically, obviously there is high school hockey, but I never really found like, that's not really your top 
top program. Like my high school hockey, I probably could play forward on the team. Well, I could have, yes, played forward. Like they have people I have never skated. So I never played like high school hockey, but we all played like all the top talent I would say was in the PWHL at the time, which I don't know the name of now. Um, and then, you know, there were some girls probably in like prep schools, but usually even they would play in the PWHL still. Um, but in other places in Ontario, you definitely see, or in Ontario, in Canada, you definitely see more, I would say more prep schools um, as well. Like that would play against like the Shaddix and Naha and, and those, but there's like Notre Dame and I, I don't even know all the names of them, but I would say if you go west, there's definitely more like it's more of like a, a school, like a private school. And then in the state, like they their high school sports are just much bigger than they than they are here in Ontario. So Yeah, just a, a big difference. I know that now in again, I so it's been oh geez, we're old, but it's been like ten years since or over ten years since you've played back in Stony Creek. We are kinda old. Yeah, it comes at you fast. Jamie's oldest here, so it's fine. Uh <laughs> But the thing that always amazed me, and this is, again, the past few years, my introduction to understanding the junior women's game, because that's, it's, again, just so different from the men's junior game, is how, at least even now, it still feels closer to minor hockey, even though the caliber is really high. So it's like this weird mix of, okay, like, this is junior hockey. By the way, they're calling it the OWHL now, accordingly. So that switch, it was for sure the P-Dub, though. It's, um, it wasn't it. I still, I knew what you yeah. got when you called it the feed so. There we go. Um, <laughs> but it's still, at least again, with the, the people that we work with and watching that league, is it still feels like a little bit of, it's not quite turned into the same way that we look at junior hockey and the men's side of things. There's a bit of a weird kind of mix between that. Um, and again, I'm seeing that now. So I'm assuming that was probably kind of similar when you played. Like, did it still feel like it had an air of minor hockey to it, even though like women's U18 AAA is coexisting? It's like the same age of the girls in the league. They're just. Yeah, 100% it is a continuation. And then, yeah, they switched all the names to like U15, U8. I don't even know all of them now, but um, we just called it like midget junior right like that so yeah and junior just felt like a continuation of midget which felt like a continuation of phantom so like yeah it, it does feel like minor hockey whereas the men's game like a lot of those junior organizations like especially like the OHL it's like separate from like necessarily you don't just work your way up and then you're like on the OHL team right where in in girls hockey you're yeah you kind of just you can pick where you play junior too um so yeah, it's kind of based off like what's closest. But then I mean, girls do move around a bit too. But um, it's not like there's a draft, I guess, too, right? Like, was considering going to like a prep school. Usually in Ontario, most people look at like the the New England area. Was that an option for you? Because I like obviously you chose to go to Stony Creek, and I've heard in the more recent years that going and playing in well, what was the PWHL is now the what is it again? Then oh. Apparently it's the OWHL. I just feel really dumb. I've, it was definitely the PWHL this past year. Like as of okay. this past year, it was still the PWHL. But I think Elaine, I think that makes sense what Elaine's saying. I would because I've over me. I've, I've heard from a few few girls that played at the Division One school across from us, Finlandia. They said that that's kind of like the USHL of women's junior. Like if you play in that league and you do well, you're going to get a scholarship, almost guaranteed. So for you making that decision, whether to go to prep school or go to junior, like was that ever an option or was it always just like, Hey, let's go to Stony Creek. It's close to home. This is what I'm doing. Yeah. I was pretty set on the junior road just because like you said, it is like, I still was living at home and it's like those prep schools aren't cheap. There was a couple of like that in uh, Toronto that there was an option, but I honestly, no, I didn't look at any in the state. I just kind of like, I don't know if it might be my, my accounting background but i'm like no it doesn't make sense to spend money yet to go to high school when i can you know go play in stony creek and go to high school for free so but obviously a lot of people have gone to those prep schools and paid or get scholarships or whatever and it worked out as well um but that was kind of my my thinking for it that is one of those people come on man i sure was you hey, know how hard no, that's fair. which one did you go to I went to a school called Northfield Mount Hermon in Massachusetts. Um, and oh, cool. yeah, I, again, I had a great time. This is, 
I think this is where there is the difference, but we I see it with like the the guys who are going into U18 or trying to leave U18. And I think it's it's still the same thing in women's hockey. Obviously, there's, you know, as you try to keep going to higher and higher levels, there's only a certain number of spots available, right? Like I know, again, even, even speaking with some of the the girls that we work with who are um, excellent goalies, some of which have already have their, their Division One scholarships locked up, but we have goalies that we work with or we know that have Division One scholarships who have a hard time even finding a junior team to play for, which feels ridiculous. Like that's how right. ultra competitive. Um, and again, this has been like this rapid increase in women's hockey, which I think is uh, like so much fun. I am such a, a, a big fan of it, but it's led to this issue where like the development and building out these leagues and building out this infrastructure just isn't there yet. And I th thought it would be pushed by COVID, right? Where so many division one goalies got an extra year, decided to stay. And now we just have this backlog that's happened in women's hockey, right? Yeah, absolutely. That definitely caused a ton of a ton of chaos because like goalies that should have been gone, and then like they're bringing in this person and this person. Well, wait, now our starters staying another year, and yeah, it definitely. And I never thought about how like because I feel like when I was like the PWHL, this was like yeah, ten well more than ten years ago, like well over over twelve years ago, and it was oh, like God. the infrastructure seemed okay. But now, like, that's a good point. Like, as the women's game continues to grow, like, yeah, definitely. I could see how, like, there's good talent without, like, a legit place to play. Yeah, and it's, I know, so my fiance is, uh, she played university hockey. We actually met at university. Very cute story, everybody. You should follow us up. Wow. Um, well, we should have something in the hockey romance book, man. Yeah, we should have put, well, don't give anyone any ideas. Um, <laughs> but... I know. So she grew up in Alberta. And again, like you mentioned before, like uh, at least when she played, so she's same age of us, same age as us. Um, that was like the start of those prep schools, like edge, uh, Notre Dame, Madrid has been yeah. good. Right. Yeah. That's the, the classic yeah. one, but those, yeah. and again, back when, when you would have been playing and back when she played, that was before those, those schools like kind of fully separated. And so you like you Edmonton triple a was playing against edge in the same league or the same national championships, which is, interesting right. a little bit different yeah. but ultimately yeah. the, the the point i'm kind of get to is i think it's so strange how there hasn't been a bigger push for a nationalized system so ontario the p-dub or the o-dub if whatever we're going to call it now uh okay. is, exists and this is again this great platform to get to the next level whether that's youth sport whether that's division one division three you know then you go out west and there's no junior so there isn't an rvc cup there isn't like the same nationalization even though i think the demand is there like, I think, like, you look at, again, the talent that's coming through and all this stuff, it's, like, it's undeniable the system needs to grow, right? It, yeah, I and, like, even, like, girls that were, like, out east, like, in those provinces, a lot of them would, like, move and play in the, in the PWHL. Like, that was, like you said, that was the top thing, and there's no real, like, I would say, yeah, like, that's a good point. Junior-wise, I don't think there's another anything west of that level. Um, so I feel like you either, when you're out there, you either, like, there's girls that also that move in from the West, or they play in, like, their edge, or there's one in DC, I can't remember what it's called, but, um, yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. This is, like, this is one of my weird soapboxes. Jamie hasn't heard me go off on this. This is a new yet. one. This is a very new one. I like this it. This is, I mean, again, and... I'm super biased. Like I think are the junior aged women goalies that I get to work with. I think they're fantastic. Like I think they're so talented and they work so hard and I watch them play. And I'm like, this is ridiculous that you have to fight for a spot. Like, obviously again, don't get me wrong. That's not to, to say that anyone else that's obviously playing in that league aren't extremely talented as well and aren't, don't work as hard, et cetera, et cetera. But it just feels like that only, you know, to have 12, 13, 14 junior teams, whatever that number fully looks like in canada like art and again the part that is is weird to me too is right it's considered u22 and so rarely there's situations where let's say someone goes to you know you go to the university of wisconsin and you're there and for whatever reason the environment doesn't fit you don't match with the coaching staff and you want to take a step back in the men's game you just hop back into junior right you're still of eligible age you'll go play in the ushl you'll go play in bc whatever that looks like that's really hard for women to do to try and pop there's like there aren't yeah, spots. Let's talk about that. And especially as a goalie, too. Like, And I think you see this issue. This is an issue all the way up the women's game. Because, like, 
right now in North America, there's seven proteins. Like, that's it. So it, it's an issue that is kind of like you have this tight feeder that goes to NCAA or youth sports. And then, you know, there's a lot of NCAA teams, a lot of youth sports teams. But then post that, it narrows right back down again to like nothing for girls that want to like keep playing post-college, which is like, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely weird. Like there's just, there's not a lot of spots and going back to what we were talking about earlier, how you said, like, you know, if you say, I'm say I'm a girl playing like, I don't know, a level or something. And then I want to make a jump to like a junior team, but if the junior team already has their feeder up from the midget team and then has their set junior goalies, like good luck. Right. Where it's like if you're already in that organization and then you start in Bantam and go to midget and then junior, I feel like you have a better, kind of a better chance. They're going to take their the, the athletes that have already been in their program instead of like bringing in someone outside. Unless you're playing like like I said, minor midget AAA, you probably would, you could probably get a, get a spot. But if it's anything else other than that, like I mean, like minor midget AAA boys. But if it's anything other than that, like. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it is tough to get a spot. Yeah, and, and Jamie and I have like made a big focus on this podcast to talk about our views on development, right? Because ultimately, you know, everyone gets in, most people get into hockey because it's fun and they want to learn to play and they want the opportunity. And so we're big advocates for like healthy competition, healthy development opportunities. Um, the thing that, again, throws me for a loop is you get into grade 10 in women's hockey, at least, again, this is Ontario, so my Ontario, but this is how U18 hockey works across the country. And women's U18 is three years. Right. So now you have grade 10s competing against grade 12. There is no U16, Jamie. So there's no minor midget in girls hockey. Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. No, pool to grade 10 through grade 12. Is, that, is, is that because, or, or like 10, 12 years ago, just the number of girls playing hockey was lower than it is now? Uh, great question, Elaine. Any idea? <laughs> I don't like. Again, this U18 and U22 thing really still throws me for a loop. So U18, that's. Midget, that's that's midget, midget. That's midget, but junior is the same thing, right? Like it's ex with the exception of you can play the the post grad year, which is now more people are happening. But that again has only really started with COVID, or related yeah, so to COVID. Basically, the way that when it was, you know, obviously, so like midget and junior. So like junior was like it's basically all the same age people. Midget and junior is all the same age, minus like a few exceptions of an overage person. But it's just like tier one is the junior, tier two is midget. Like for me, I played like you could play junior in grade nine if you wanted, yep. which is you, if you're good enough, you can play on that at that junior level. Um, I actually played uh, I played midget in grade nine and ten, which I think that's going to ban them in grade nine. Yes. So I played midget in grade nine and ten. Grade ten, I could have played junior. But the junior team had their starting goalie, so I was like, for my development, I ended up staying a year back in midget again in grade 10, and then I jumped up to junior in grade 11 and 12. But it's really not. It's more of just like a tier one, tier two thing of like, when there's a spot ready for junior, you go. That might be grade, could be grade 9, 10, 11, or 12. Kind of weird, really. Yeah. And if anyone's listening to this and not watching, Jamie's face has been broken for about six minutes straight here. The guy is never, so never yeah, and this is, but so this is why I, um, I wanted to bring this up today because I too have been confused now for many years trying to understand and now being more a part of that and trying to support some of our goalies through that system. It's complicated. It is highly political. It is like, and this is again, a story and Elaine, this is what has happened this year, but we had again, a few goalies in this league this past year and a month and a half into their season, like beginning of November, they were already trying to finalize the team they were playing on next season. They had played like six regular season games and they were like, I haven't signed for next year yet. And I'm like, yeah, that's yeah like that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Um, and I haven't even thought about this in honestly over 10 years because now I'm like, my head's like, shit, there's only seven pro teams. That's 14 goalies. Like that's yeah. not a lot of spots coming out the other side but i've never actually like jumped back in and like looked at the other like you know before college just because i'm i feel so far removed from it um but yeah i know that's that's crazy yeah it's and i mean i guess it's we'll, we'll shift gears here because i do want to kind of <laughs> i want to poke into the your experience going through college going to pro and 
you know, we don't want this to take two hours of everyone's time. Uh, but yeah, the, the fact that, you know, the way most sports work is a funnel, right? Like as you get older, the funnel gets smaller as you get higher, eventually people filter out, but women's hockey is currently in a very confusing thing right now. And again, there's obviously been a ton of, uh, issues with league wise and fighting for proper monetary support. And I'm sure we could dive into that forever, but for the sake of, of time, uh, I want to touch a little bit about your experience at college. Cause I think that's for a lot of women. And this is again, if this is changing, thankfully, but for a long time, I'm, I'm sure that was also how it was presented to you. The goal was to go play college. Like that was the goal of, as, as you know, growing up in the girls game, that's the goal, go play in college. Right. And um, yeah, absolutely. Cause yeah, that's 11 years ago now as a freshman, which is crazy, but yeah, that was, that was the goal. You're like that there was really no like monetary options in terms of like playing pro after that, like where you could actually like make a living and not have to work. So like, yeah, college was like, you know, going D1, that was like the goal. Or, and additionally, like being on a national team, um, which is very like, it's weird. Like, if you think about it in, in men's hockey, it was the Olympics. Like, but that's, that's not even how it is at all, right? Like, there's NHL, AHL, like, and then all these pro leagues in uh, North America and then overseas. But it's like in the women's game, it's like NCAA and then olympic team like there's all and it's like such a small small <laughs> there's like it's like almost impossible to do so um yeah now what was the recruiting process like for you because i always like ask this question because for everyone it's always different and um i have i've spoken to a few uh few girls that have come out of the junior system uh most of them have gone d3 but for you like what what was that like for talking to University of Connecticut, other teams you talked to? Like, how did you, how did you kind of guide your way through that? Yeah, for sure. So it comes back, like playing in Stony Creek, there was a lot of connections there with coaches and they ran a lot of tournaments. So, you know, five, six times a year, you're playing in, in these tournaments where there was huge university presence um, at all those events. So, and then you kind of just, I just kind of started narrowing it down and saying like, okay, some reason I knew I wanted to be an accountant event, which I don't know. I don't even know why I wanted to do that. But anyways, I did. So I was like, hey, I need a business school. And like a lot of the IVs don't have like an accounting program, which meant, okay, I need to do extra courses when I'm done, which didn't really interest me. So that kind of narrowed my search. And then um, again, same thing as the, the prep school. I didn't, I didn't want my parents to pay for me to go to school. And the Ivy League don't, uh, well, they do financial aid, but it's, it's all based on like, well, you guys know this is all based on like what your your family income is and stuff. So, um, I didn't want to have to pay to go to school. So, and then also being goalie, you have to look at like, okay, who's there already playing? Like, how many years they have left? Like, you know, because some of those situations you can just look at the roster and be like, okay, I can still play really well, but I might not ever start over whoever is there for whatever reason. Um not to be like negative or anything, but that's just the way it is sometimes. Like even if you work really hard and prove yourself, it still might not land in your favor. So kind of just looking at like what I wanted to do and then where am I going to play? Those were like the two big things for me. And I got a lot of heat for going to UConn because everyone said it was a crappy school, but I played a shit ton of games and uh, had a lot of fun. So <laughs> it worked really? out. People said that because like your stats were very good. Your whole they were, but yes, they were, but we were, my, we really struggled. Like, I think my freshman year, we won one game and people, I had a lot of people like, you know, why'd you pick that school? Like, why didn't you go to like, um, like Duluth or, you know, whatever. There was a few Cornell or like Harvard, these schools that were like a lot better teams, but I was like, well, I can, you know, I was able to start all four seasons and played a lot of games. So I was like, it was good for my development. But yeah, people, yeah, people wondered why, why I did that. But I don't know. It, it worked out. That's a very important thing that you just said. And that a lot of people kind of will get blinded, especially like, you know, for like in men's hockey, the BUs and the big schools will come and they'll recruit. And a lot of people see that and they see stars in their eyes, but they don't understand that they're going to be a little fish in a very big pond. Whereas sometimes if you go to a, a smaller school, quote unquote, 
the opportunities are better to get playing time. And like you said, it's better for your development. If you if you you played the least the fewest games you played was twenty four in a season out of probably around thirty ish games. Like if you had played five games each year, you're you we're not probably not talking to you on this pod. And if we do, it's about doing our taxes. So and that's really really <laughs> important. That's really important. Like the development, looking at those opportunities, it is is something I think that more people need to consider when going to to schools. And I'm going to uh, like keep keep the party rolling. Unless Ben has another college question, because I want to get into your experiences in China. Because I remember mm-hmm. after your senior year, that's when we started to skate together uh, with Bouge. And I remember that you were going back and forth. You had all these options. I remember you kept calling me like, I don't know what to do. And you ended up going to play for uh, it's the Vanky race. In, I think it's Vanku. I don't know. Uh, yeah, in, like in, in Shenzhen, right? Yeah. Yeah, and that's part of the that was part of the Canadian Women's Hockey League, and the team is in China. So, how did that opportunity come up, and what is it like playing hockey in a Canadian league in a team base in China? Yes. So, yeah, this is where we. Uh, I mean, I'd known you a little, like I've known of you before this, and like back to the math days when we were working out with Hockey Canada, you would always be at. Uh, at McMaster there working out I remember um I was not anyways. with Hockey Canada just preference Hockey Canada had not, <laughs> did not anything to do with me <laughs> that was Hockey Hamilton Ontario is what Jamie was associated with <laughs> uh, um yeah so I I was playing I ended up my college career I, well it actually hurt yeah my my knee was pretty messed up um so after my senior year I had um ACL reconstruction meniscus repair kind of a a big knee fix um so I took that whole next season off and I had entered the CWHL draft thinking okay I'm working at an accounting firm in Brantford okay I'll play for the Toronto Fury well then all of a sudden I'm at my desk and I get this text from um a girl that I'd played like U18 group she's like hey like I have this really cool opportunity like take a look like here's some of the photos and like it was just like message and I was like okay and then literally 15 minutes later the head coach was calling me and asked me to go to China to play and it was $60,000 I think US and all expenses paid for no food no board nothing it was just like come to China we're growing the game here and we want you to you know we wanted you to start a goalie and I was like okay so I literally signed the contract that night and quit my job and I was like all right I'm moving to China <laughs> so I was like this is yeah, I was like, it, it sounded cool. And it was supposed to be like a whole, like four or five year process to get, get us through to the 2022 Olympics um, to help with the the Chinese players development. It ended up being a lot shorter than that. There was two teams in China, then it went down to one and then the game probably folded. So anyway, I ended up in China for a year. Um, but yeah, Jamie, that was right around when you, I remember we were in Montreal and you just got called up to the jet yeah i remember yeah that i was, I was gonna mention that because we we're gonna get into the travel part but i remember that we were playing in laval and that's when i got called up to the jets and i remember taking it was a 10 minute uber that cost me a hundred dollars each way to go and get starbucks with you because i remember i was like hey i just paid 200 bucks this uber coffee's on you and i made you buy me my coffees but i remember I that no it was 200 holy crap yeah it was the most ridiculous thing but i was like well, I, in my brain, I was like, well, I just got called to the NHL. It's okay. And I haven't seen Elaine in a few months. And I wanted to hear about, I hear about it, but how? Well, I appreciate that. That was, I remember that. We had, yeah. We I'll, I'll, I'll invoice you later for it. But the, oh, uh, okay. the, the travel, how did, how did you navigate playing and like kind of your overall, like your performance mental health and your general mental health with that insane travel schedule that you guys are on? Yeah, it was hard because, like, there was times where, like, we would just be in China and it was fine and, like, teams were coming to us and, like, we had the advantage because, like, we weren't jet-lagged. But then, like, there was times where we would, like, fly to North America and you're playing two nights later. And I remember, like, being in warm-up and, like, not being able to track anything. Like, my eyes, like, you're just exhausted and, like, your eyes aren't, like, you're not processing anything. So, at that point, you're kind of just, like, well, I'm just going to hope, hopefully, like, I get hit. I'm going to, you know, hopefully the puck hits me. I'm going to do my best. But it kind of just, like, in a way, it kind of, like, took the edge off a bit, which is nice. And you kind of just relax. And you're like, well, it is what it is. Like, I'm just going to have to try and make some space here. It's not going to be perfect. But, like, 
that was kind of my mindset because the, the travel was definitely like is like a 12 hour time change. So every time you went, it was just, you got so messed up every time you went back and forth. Were you flying commercial or did they have a private for you guys? No, we, we were first class, so I can't complain too much. We had like bed, like, or, you know, the pods. The one flight we took, um, I remember we were coming back. So we were in China and we were trying to get to North America and they book, hadn't booked a flight and we were leaving in two days. So half the team had to fly to, I think, Japan and then home. And we flew to Qatar. And then, so like the team split. Well, we were on this like double decker, like massive plane um, into Qatar. And it was nuts. We were in like the, I think there was even a level up from us. Like we had pods, but I think there was like another level that was like legit bed. But there was like lounges, like couches. You didn't even feel like you're on the airplane. So that part was good. But nonetheless, the time changed. They all really messed you up. <laughs> the budgeting on that, I mean, just obviously it's a whole complicated process. And, and ultimately there's only, that was the only season Bonky exists, right? Like it was a, it was the one and yeah. done, right? So, yeah. I mean, and yeah. We had some very greatest owners. That's for sure. <laughs> that money was not there. I don't think there was a budget. <laughs> and after all that, you didn't try to get Jamie's Uber bill covered, eh? That's it's telling, really. Uh, well, honestly, in my defense, I honestly, I remember, this, like, I remember the Starbucks, but I don't remember him telling me that it was that expensive to get there because I would have felt really bad, and I probably would have. I'm pretty sure I didn't. I, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't tell you because I knew you were going to feel bad. Also, I remember that you guys had just got in and, like, skated, and it was, like, pretty late. I remember you were, like, basically falling asleep at the table. Yeah, it was mess. It was messed up. But because you're like, it's a twelve hour flip. I know. Does does Bank does Vicky or any of the women's team in China exist even in the Russian league now? Yeah, Kunlin or Kunlin. Mm-hmm. I don't know if the right pronunciation is wrong. They do exist still. So after that first year, they went down to one team, and then it moved to well, it played in. They played in the CWHL again the next season, and then the CWHL folded, so then they went to Russia. Oh, okay, okay. And then your goalie fighters that year were both Chinese nationals. Um, Yeah. Depending on the language barrier and stuff, but did you ever talk about what, like, growing up in China and trying to navigate that career was like for them, or was that something that you guys just too much of a language barrier? So my goalie partner didn't speak very good English, um, there was some players on the team that spoke better English. Um, so we would kind of chat with them, but it was weird. Like from what I recall, like they wouldn't even like go to school. Like they just did hockey. Like that's what they did, which is like super cool um, that they were able to do that. But like, yeah, a lot of them had like, they, they didn't, it was just different than like here where it's like, oh, you go to school and you play like university or whatever. They like, they didn't really do that. So we were like, like a lot of the girls were like younger. Like we were developing them like that. Like, I don't need, I think some of them should have been in university at that time, but like they were just with us. So, um, yeah, it was definitely, definitely an experience. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And then that's a, a little peek into, I guess, like state sponsored sporting, which is like, I mean, probably between Russia and China, that's probably some of the only countries that do that, even that I'm not familiar enough with the Russian system to make any actual comments, but, uh, I'm not going to get a chance to hear this. This is going to keep rolling and Jamie's going to completely take over, but I'm going to lead in with a question that I'll listen to when I get to, to run this back. Um, but let's hear about this season because we have never had a, a champion of anything on. Uh, I am a champion of reminding Jamie to send me things and Jamie is a champion of forgetting telling me anything. But otherwise... I'm a champion of just reading your texts and interpreting them how I want to, <laughs> not as you intended. Yeah, Jamie hasn't once actually done what I, he said we were going to do. Anyways, but... Blaine, if you could, for people listening and to Jamie and then for me, I will be listening to this back. Um, give us a run through this season because this is a pretty cool, pretty cool story and I can't wait to hear it. So let's go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this year was like, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. It started out, I mean, I felt like, I don't know, I feel like you see this a lot in pro hockey, but like, I felt like a pressure to follow up the season I'd had, like, not like the year before win goalie of the year all like all-star name mvp just but then we came up short in the playoffs but 
I think, you know, in the regular season when like, I don't even, it was like 16 and one or 17 and one. I'm not sure exactly what the, the numbers were, but it was pretty good. And I mean, there's some luck in there too. There always kind of is. Um, but then following up this year, I was like, you know, still haven't won, not getting any younger and needing to follow up, follow up that season that I'd had. So yeah, I just kind of, I don't really know. I just was like focused. I focused on one stat and just wins. I'm like, is our team winning? Um, that's all I really cared about. And then, yeah, we, uh, we dropped the, the first, so the first playoff series this year was like a best two out of three. So uh, we dropped the first game to Connecticut. I don't know. Uh, we were the higher seed. We dropped game one. So that put me at, uh, what was that? Like, oh, and three in playoff games in the, in the PHF. Um, so, but I was happy this year because it wasn't a one and done. Um, some of the previous years had been like, you know, it's like I'm by and it's like, hey, you lose the first game and you're, you're, you're literally out. Like your season's over. Um, so this year it was a series, which was super cool. Uh, saying, well, we had the option um, to get a hotel downtown uh, that the league provides. So that was nice. So we were kind of, we we're all, uh, all downtown for the weekend. Um, but I remember texting my dad. He's like, oh, you, you know, it was okay. Like, you, you know, I'm like, no, I need to be better. If we're going to win, like, I have to, I have to play better. Um, so then game two was 2-2 two, two going in, uh, so we had to go to no overtime. And I remember just being like, okay, just make, you know, make the last save, like just make one more save than she's going to make. And that was like all my focus because overtime three on three. So it's like anything can happen in three on three hockey. Like the chances, like obviously, as you know, are like, it's insane compared to five on five. So um, luckily, yeah, we, we got the overtime winner. So now the series is tied up one, one. Uh, and then we had, I think we had a day off um, the next day, the Sunday. And then, so game three was going to be Monday night. Um, and then again, we were, I just knew, I was like, you know, we're going to, it's going to be a tight game. They're, Connecticut was a good, they had a lot of good uh, offensive, um, talent. And then they were pretty tight on the back end as well, in terms of like giving up any good scoring chances. So I was like, you know, it, it's going to be a close game. And, uh, fortunately left, uh, pitched a shutout in game three to send us to, um, our first ever, uh, Isabel cup final. And I had been in like, I'd been on other championship team but I'd never actually played in the game like I'd been on the bench um so like U18 uh Team Canada U18 Team Ontario and then U22 Team Canada I'd always we'd won gold but I'd not like like my contributions were on the on the bench I mean I did play in like the the um what do you call it like the round robin but uh it's different when you're the one that's in that game and I knew that I had never played in the championship game before um so that was kind of I knew that in the back of my head but I was like so I didn't really know I didn't really know what to expect exactly or what it was going to feel like uh and I get nervous for all games but standing on the blue line before the game I was definitely more nervous than I had been before because it was a one and it was a one game thing so like anything can happen in one game right where in a series something doesn't go your way one one game or two like it's okay you can have a bounce back um, but yeah, we had, we were down in Mullet Arena, they were in Arizona, which was a super nice venue. Um, and yeah, we went to OT again. So three, three going into overtime and, I, and it goes on to, uh, three on three again. So I'm like, oh, here we go again. This three on three overtime to, uh, to get the winner. But we were, we had been practicing three on three. So we, we kind of took it to them. I had to make like one or two saves. And then, um, finally, finally we buried one there. I, it didn't even really sink in that we'd won because it was the first. I don't even think I celebrated. I think I just was like, "Oh my god, finally!" I think that was like my my reaction and just skated uh, skated up. Everyone was like freaking out at the other end with the the girl that scored. You know, people don't really don't celebrate with the goalies. Maybe one or two players skate down and see the goalie in a situation like that. But. Yeah, we never get credit in an overtime win. That's for sure. Until after, until after no. the fact. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So um, that's. But yeah. It was, Kind of surreal, really. That, yeah, that is awesome, and congratulations once again. So, I like I know what your plan is going forward next year, but what? So, you're resigning again with you're signed with Toronto, 
And what is the future of professional women's hockey kind of looking like and, and shaping up to be moving forward? Because I know there's it's just constantly changing from the CW to the NWHL to, to now the PHF. Yeah. Like so, so where where's the game, and, and what is that? What does that look like for you? Yeah, the game is definitely like a bit divided right now with a lot of the Canada and U.S. players, um, current like national team members being in the uh, PWHPA. Um, but right now, the PHF is the only only pro women's uh, hockey league in in North America. Um, so I, you know, I've been treated really well here. Um, the salary cap doubled from 750000 USD to $1.5 million USD for this upcoming season. Um, so, you know, that means, like, your top players are making making over 100 k US and your per season, and the minimum is 30 k US. So you have girls coming out of college signing to play for, you know, 40 to 80, 90, or even more, and um, $1,000 a year, which is, more than I ever made in my first job coming out of school. So it's super, it's super cool to see, like it's definitely growing and getting a lot of traction. Um, and they, it, it just keeps growing. Like last year we added Montreal, which is our seventh team. And, and I feel like there's plans to expand that um, in the future as well. Um, but yeah, it's, it's super nice to be able to, you know, quit my CPA day job and, and just focus on hockey full time. Cause I was kind of, running on a hamster wheel 24 seven, um, trying to train and then work eight hour day eight and take care of my body. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, it's super exciting, um, to keep seeing like the support, uh, and, and kind of the growth that we're seeing in the, in the women's game right now. How much did you dive into the, the business side of it? Or did you just stick strictly to play? I know as an accounting brain, and I know for myself, I'm sort of like a business marketing guy, even though I didn't have a single degree in that. I, I, I am fascinated by how some of the economics uh, of these different leagues and these different teams work. Is that something you considered or was it always just like, hey, like, I'm here to play. I'm here to grow the game. That's all I'm going to do. Yeah, for like right now, I'm focusing on playing and growing the game, but I'm definitely interested in in all the back end stuff per se, like in regards to the business. Um but just honestly, like last year with my my job and then playing, it was, it was kind of maxed out. But I definitely could see myself like getting more in, involved in that once once I'm done playing for sure. And even this season, I'll have a little more time on my hands. Like, you know, after like well, let's be honest, we we can't skate and train for twelve hours a day. I mean, I I might do that, but that would be kind of silly, and I'd probably not play too long. So um, there's gonna be some downtime there. So I definitely plan on like. You know, getting seeing ways maybe I could get more involved or help out. Uh, for sure. Nice. Um, hey, this is a really awesome interview. Hopefully, people really, really like it. Uh, before we wrap up, is there anything that you want to plug? Any sponsors? Where can people find you? Uh, reach out to you for help. Is that something you do? Do you help people uh, when it comes to career advice or? Accounting? Yeah, like I. Accounting, yeah, no, I'm I'm dumb with the account. Well, we'll see. I mean, if someone messaged me and asked for help, and you know, maybe I would. But um, no, I'm on that Instagram, etruly29. Um, I should probably be more active on there um, than I am, but maybe that'll be a, a plan here with with some more time. Maybe I'll I'll have to uh, do some more content creation. Definitely not my strong suit, but I might uh, might have to dive in. I saw. I saw how successful your Instagram account's been. I was like, wow, he's uh, getting a lot of views on those videos. Well, that's because I don't play anymore. I just, I, I have, well, actually, I, I'd love to say I have nothing but time, but I actually have no time at all. I was going to say, I feel like you have no time. I don't. I mean, you're grinding. I know, like, yeah, I know your work ethic. I know you're, you've got businesses, school, your own training, all kinds of stuff on the go. So, but I appreciate it. So, each really, 29 on Instagram sponsors anything you want to shout out uh no I don't I think I think we're all good if I could get a gear sponsor that'd be great but <laughs> we'll uh we'll have to we'll have, we'll have to set that up we'll get you still wearing Bauer I have someone told me I was like a bag of Skittles um I have I think you could see every single brand on me at any particular moment I have Vaughn pads Bauer gloves Lawn chest, bower pants. I'm gonna switch back to true tape, warrior 
stick. I literally have a CCM knee pads. I've got like one of everything. <laughs> well, what I'll, what I'll do is I'll uh, I'll reach out to the the VOD rep for you, or the, I'll actually just tell me what gear rep you want. I'll reach out, I'll give you a contact. Maybe we'll have, we'll get some something up, and maybe some something yeah, for the pod. You know, the go. pod deserves a title sponsor. That's not my Instagram or Patreon. Yeah, there you go. And until someone was like going to hook me up, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to wear every single brand then. <laughs> <laughs> All at once. Uh, oh, I feel like we could just have like a two hour gear tax. I remember you would just go through like, we just have so many sample sets. Like, because I was getting a ton when I was playing. And for some reason, I was always getting like really small sizes or like my NHL sizing at 6'4 was similar to what you were wearing. So you could oh, yeah, wear like my pads. Those Bowers, those uh, white Bowers, I remember I started the China season in them. Those demos, they were size medium. And then I remember my year came in when we were Boston. So I think I shipped your the demos back to you. Um, I think they were medium. But then I think I switched into a small app. I don't even know. Probably medium. But I remember being like, how did you wear in medium? Yeah, <laughs> it like, was actually... Got how, small, how small like the nhl gear that they made us wear was yeah it, it was for sure the chest i'm like okay let's just bulk mine up because i don't think there's any rules yeah they were taking all they were <laughs> taking all the size off mine and just putting it on yours yeah exactly well exactly. Elaine, thank you very much for joining us uh thank you everyone for listening um don't forget to to like comment subscribe and you know what if you're in Toronto, go check out Toronto Six game. I'm excited because I want to go watch them because I know you and Taylor. Um, I want any to catch a game sometime. But yeah, if you're around anywhere, go support women's hockey. Like, comment, subscribe. Let us know what you think. Share this. Um, there's some really cool nuances in this pod about navigating women's hockey. So hopefully, uh, hopefully everyone enjoyed it. Elaine, thanks again. Yeah, for sure, and definitely come see us. We're up at uh, York University there, so yeah, definitely come catch a game. You and all the listeners, too. That'd be great in the GTA. (laughs) Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.